You're listening to the Food and Fitness Podcast, the show about all things related to food and fitness. Follow us on Instagram, Facebook, and YouTube at food.fitnesspodcast. We're your hosts, Becky Vandertoon, Jessica White, and Dave Marshall. This week, we're going to talk about finances and financial health. Everything that we're talking about this week, it's general advice. If you really want more information about your personal finances and the state that you're in, really advise you to talk to a financial planner and someone you can talk to and really set your individual needs together with them. So this week's guest is going to be Brad. He's a financial advisor. He works personally with his clients to develop plans to meet their personal needs. Together, we're going to just be talking about different things that can impact your financial health, what kind of decisions can impact your financial future, and really how people feel about finances. Yeah, thanks for having me. My name is Brad Coy. I'm from Orangeville, Ontario. I've been doing this for close to six years now as a licensed insurance and investment advisor and working at a little family business called ACN Financial Group. I'm an advisor alongside my father-in-law, who's been doing this for over 30 years now and has been a really good mentor to me in getting started with all this. So I have a wife and two boys at home, so they keep me busy as well. That's awesome. Brad, when we dive in, we're just going to set the stage here. And I think the first question is going to really set us off on where we're going to go from here. What would you define financial health as? Yeah, one of the one of the first things that was presented to me when I first got into the industry was put on my desk as a financial peer. And that is, I think, something that a company put out and it, it was on the bottom foundation level was risk management tools, like your, your life insurance, your disability, your emergency savings, debt reduction, things. And then above that was your potential home ownership, your investment accounts, RSP, TFSA, and then higher up the pier as you went were the more speculative uh, investments. So I think when we talk about financial health, it's really starting at that foundation level first and, and coming off of that. I think obviously things like reducing high interest credit cards and avoiding bad debt, budgeting, spending less than you earn, obviously, and, and those kinds of things are good places to start as well. Brad, I can't tell you how excited that you are here to come and speak to us. Uh, We've all completed a little thing called the wellness wheel and my life has changed. I'm 51 now. And when I was 19 or 20, um, my financial literacy was horrible. I would, I, and I I probably shouldn't say this because I'm, but I did. So it's almost 40 years or 30 years ago. I remember using Visa to pay MasterCard, right? Like I had no concept of money. I I could keep this record going forever as long as I pay the minimum amount. And it wasn't until I met my husband and yes, he is Dutch and no, I'm not being stereotypical, but I think that there's a great work ethic that was ingrained in him at a great, as a young age. And so one of the wonderful things he taught me so much, but we've never argued about money. And I think for many people, finances between couples are a really difficult thing to talk about. And again, I'm really lucky and that's not something that I've ever had, but I do know a lot of, of marriages that end and can completely split families apart. What drove you to the financial industry and working with clients and how do you manage those difficult situations between partners. So two-part questions. 
why are you in this profession? And two, how do you manage couples who don't necessarily see eye to eye? Sure. Yeah. I'll start with how I got into the industry. I just graduated teacher's college and was approached at that time by my father-in-law and he told me they needed some help. My mother-in-law had just been diagnosed with throat cancer. And so she was limited in what she was going to be able to do with the company. So they said we could use some hands with some things. I just loved it. I loved all the, the, the financial aspects of bringing about all the different investment products, insurance products, different strategies, those kinds of things. And I, I've always really enjoyed working with people, educating. I've, I really enjoy meeting people and that side of it as well. And then I had an awesome mentor as well and just was able to started out go, going on appointments with me and showing the showing me the rope, so to speak, and just how to treat people, how to conduct meetings and walk me through a lot of those things. And as you gain experience, I think it's made that easier. And I think in the second part of your question as well, that's probably part of dealing with that is just it's experience. It's yeah, managing expectations to an extent. I guess the question I'm kind of asking is, and again, my husband and I are really lucky in the fact that we see eye to eye on finances. And, and I'm not in your situation, obviously, but I don't want to be stereotypical, but what do you do if if person A in the relationship is, and I've learned that the importance of saving, which was the school of hard knocks, but how do you encourage people to save when that's not necessarily their go-to or their, their way they want to go? Like that temptation to want and buy something new or have that shiny new thing or something. Like, is there something you can educate people on? This is how you need to save and this is why? Yeah, I would say that our biggest thing is actually showing people what is going to be required to accomplish their goals down the road. I don't have somebody's credit card and I can't tell them <laughs> what to spend and what not to spend on. But especially, and I think this may be a something that can be can help couples as well, is that this is what you is projecting down the road of what is what's going to be required to accomplish your goals if you want to retire at a certain age or you, you want to have money for x y and z down the road if you keep going on your current path what's that what what are we going to end up make that picture quite large and then i think you hope that they're able to realize and understand that if we don't do this there's going to be adverse effects down the road. Thank you. So Brad, when you're dealing with new clients, like I'm sure you deal with people of all walks of life and all walks of life listen to this podcast as well. But just my own experience, you don't talk about your own finances with friends or you don't talk about your finances uh, family get together. It's just one of those things that isn't transparent. And a lot of people just don't talk about their financial situation. So when you first meet with a client, how do you break down that wall so that they can have an honest financial conversation. And is this something that can happen right away or does it happen over multiple conversations? Yeah, I come into meetings with people in a variety of different ways. Some are family, some are friends, some I've just met. So it's really dependent on that. It's dependent on the client too. Some people are more maybe more guarded maybe in, in what they want to share. And really it's about building trust and building rapport with somebody. I know personally, like I, I would have a hard time if somebody walked into my house and was sitting at my kitchen table to, to instantly want to transfer all my money and do that kind of thing. And so that's a big part of it. And building a relationship outside of the money, I think is as well, or in, outside of financial, financial needs is important as well. So yeah, that would be, those would be parts of it, really finding out what their, what your goals are, what a, a client's goals are, what makes them tick, what what are they passionate about? And then it's really, it's a relationship where we're going to work together to try to accomplish the goals that 
that each client has and they're really different for everybody. I don't know if that, that kind of answers your question, but it's, yeah, I would say just building that trust for people. The other thing I maybe I would add is that mo most people, if they do contact me, they want to, there is some motivation there to get things started too, which, which helps. So there's, you're on a starting point that there's say they can understand that, or there's a mutual understanding that you're there for a reason, right? Yeah, so, for sure. Yeah. And I guess working on a referral kind of basis, people are already warming up their friends or their family and saying, oh yeah, this is the kind of guy you want to talk to. So it eases them in before you get there. Sure. So when we're, when you are talking to a new client and you said you speak to people when we're off camera between the ages of like 18 to 80 and beyond, do you find that most of your clients are financially literate? So for example, I would say they're aware of their fi current financial position. They know where they are standing when it comes to their debt. They know maybe how to save or they're willing to save or what financial future looks like. Are people prepared for that? Or do you find that a majority of people are lost? Yeah, I would say, David, it really varies. Meeting with people on a wide range of spectrums, some that have very little understanding of anything. Their parents taught them how to set up a bank account and that's about it. I would say, generally speaking, most people have at least a baseline understanding of what they're doing. They understand that they have to pay taxes and they understand that it's generally good to save money. And in terms of really how to do that, I think it's it really varies on what people, what kind of understanding they have and also what people have told them, what they see in advertisements on TV, what they what their colleagues tell them about this and that. So I think that's probably where people end up learning a lot of things. I would say that... I would say most people, like from a real baseline, people have some financial literacy. Don't know. I don't think that people generally have a great understanding of all the tools available that, to them to help them accomplish their goals. Because there really are a number of different ways to do that and different planning strategies that can that they may not even be aware of that can really help them accomplish their goals and, and their objectives. That's great. I like, and, and I've heard you say this a couple of times, know your goals, ask your clients the goals. And I remember when we went to, we just met with our financial planner recently and he is, cause we're getting close to retirement age. He's like, what do you want to do? And we're like, oh, we'd like to travel. He's like, well, forecast, where do you want to travel? Do you want to live in Orangeville? Do you want to live overseas? And he made us sit down and think about really, I don't know. We never thought about this before. So I think when you mention that is about that long range, where do you want to be? And then starting the baby steps for us, I think that was a real eye-opening kind of experience. And, and I'm going back because every people who listen to this podcast know that I have a, two boys, one's 19 and one's 16. And again, my, we try very, we try to teach them financial literacy. They have job and what do you do with the money? If you blow all the money you're not going to have money for this. So where do you want? So setting those goals again, but I hope our boys are learning from this, but going back to Cave's question is when you don't have that kind of foundation of financial literacy and you help people establish that with just simple things like setting goals, do you notice a change when that plan those goals that how to reach them are put in place when it comes to an individual a couple of family and I'm thinking from a perspective of 
Do you notice a change in their demeanor? Do they have less stress? What are some of the changes that you see when that plan is put in place? Or maybe there are no changes. Yeah, I think the word that comes to mind is relief for a lot of people. There's a lot of... Yeah, I think so. It's assuring them, especially if you're starting out early, like this is good. Get a start, get used to things like paying yourself for and saving that amount, get comfortable with that and then see where things go down the road and just expand on that. And just, just trying not to bombard them necessarily with all these things at once. But yeah, I would say to answer that it would be, there is a change for a lot of people that, especially if they, they just, I've heard that people say, I trust you. Like I, it's uh, yeah. To hear that. And then to just, yeah, get comments that people are just, I'm just happy that we, we finally did this or that we're finally doing this, those kinds of things. Yeah, thank you for that. And I often think about when I was in grad school and we had zero money, it was really stressful. And like, how are we like thinking about how are we going to pay our mortgage? How are we going to get groceries? All of these things put on top of each other. It was just that added little stress and it almost felt any little thing can cause the house of cards to fall over. So I think that relief when you get your financial health, I can totally can feel that. And I can think about it. It's almost like that breath. We have a plan. Yeah. Yeah. We do. There's sometimes with people, it's a, it's an, oh boy, right. If you're, if it's they're approaching retirement and they're realizing that the goals that they had are going to be challenging to meet. So there's that too. But I think it's, I think set expectation with setting expectations with your clients is, is helpful too. And try not to try not to promise promise things and that these really lofty expectations as well for where they're going to be. But yeah, if you start early and take those initial steps and just let it go from there, I think there really is a, um, a load off of your, of your mind for that, for sure. So Brad, when you meet with clients right now, are you meeting with them in person or are you meeting them virtually or over the phone? It's been a lot of virtual lately. I, I, in the past, I hardly did any virtual before that. It was a lot of in-person. I tried to do that as much as possible. Do you meet at their house or do you have them meet you in the office or something? Most people will meet at their house. If somebody prefers that I not come, then sometimes we'll do it at the office. But yeah, most, I would say probably 80%, 85% of meetings are at people's houses, at least pre-pandemic. Do you find that you learn more from a client or they're more relaxed meeting in person than doing it in any other way else? And do you learn, I don't know what I'm thinking, like you learn stuff about the client, like stuff that they maybe wouldn't come out and say, travel brochures from their house or pets or anything that you might not learn over the phone. Yeah, a hundred percent. It's yeah. Things on the wall and kids, things from where, like where they were born or different. Yeah. Things from different countries, those kinds of things. Yeah. You definitely do. And that's a big kind of, to go back to your earlier question is something helpful to, to connect with clients that way too. And just, yeah, you, by being in somebody's house, you get an understanding of what, what they care about a little bit too, right? Yeah. What, what makes them tick? Yeah. If they have kids running around or if they are variety of different things, definitely. I definitely, I prefer meeting clients in their house and in person because yeah, you just, you start off a little bit further down the road, I think, than you would have, than you would otherwise. You can, it's, yeah, much, much less personal, I would say. Yeah. 
I guess there's a bunch of Dutch flags flying on the back wall. Oh, you're from the Netherlands. Do you guys want to go back when you retire? Like stuff (laughs) like that. Those are questions that can break down those walls, right? Yeah. And we all know with Dutch people too, you probably are related to somebody that they know (laughs) or yeah, that's a habit. It's true. So when you're talking to someone, we've talked about the positives and I think we can always talk on the other side, just be realistic. What do you find are some things that people are scared of when it comes to their finances? Yeah, I would say probably the unknown. Yeah, not, am I going to have enough money? That feeling of not being prepared or outliving their money, those kinds of things for people that are planning for retirement. Parents with children are can be concerned about them, what their outlook's going to look like. Are they going to be able to buy a house? What happens if I die? What happens if I get sick? Those kinds of things, I think, would be points of fear for for some people. Yeah, those would be the main things, I would say. Yeah, the unknown really be i'm no better at predicting the future than anyone else but that's we do have we certainly have fears about especially we see what's going on now in in ukraine too and it's uh, those kinds of things are can bring anxiety and bring bring fear and not just for day-to-day things but especially with finances and uh, yeah a big part of what we do is is walking people through that yeah reminding them of what they're what the plan was and what their goals are and the different things that have been put in place based on what they've we've worked on together and what they've decided on to so yeah walking them back through that i think one of the crazy terms that you've used which is i think some often forgotten but is a very real term is outliving your money a lot of times people now could possibly live as long after retirement as they have before they were like they're earning time say you want to retire 65 it's not uncommon for you to live possibly another 30, 40 years after that. And is that going to be, do you have enough money to last that long, especially with the way that long-term care, how expensive that is? Like what's going to happen? It's a realistic question. I think that people have to think about and people have to be aware of. And I think those terms if used early enough are, are help to people to learn, right? Yeah, sure. Brad, as I've mentioned, I have two boys and of course, one of them's 19 because I just mentioned that. And he has had the benefit, question mark, of being online learning for his first year university. So he hasn't spent a lot of money. And in fact, he actually has quite a bit of money saved into his account. Good for him. Very proud of him. Doesn't go anywhere. And I reflect back to when I was 19. What piece of advice would you give uh, either your 19-year-old self, my kid's 19-year-old self, somebody starting off with some extra money, what kind of advice would you give them? Yeah, I think saving is the biggest thing. Rising them on, on debt, the yeah, the pitfalls of potentially as well. Yeah, the I would say, yeah, looking at investing that, that money, it's dependent on, on each individual. But just having an understanding, I try to walk people through that too, of what's your risk tolerance? What are you comfortable seeing this money drop down to? If that's what happened, would, are you going to, are you going to lose sleep over it? Is it really going to, is it really going to bother you? Those kinds of things. And also looking at time horizon, how long do you have to let this grow? What's, what are your goals for it? If it's a short-term goal, we're going to have to reduce risk and like really reduce risk because we want to make sure that you're going to, you're going to still have it. And if it's a longer term goal, maybe you can weather some more of those, those ups and downs a little bit more. So really it's client specific and we go back to the, we go back to the goal and objective thing. If really on, on determining what to do with that, what to do with that. And maybe it's a variety of different goals that you'd like to earmark different funds for. 
So I know you can't give specific advice, but you touched on investing. Can you share with us what investing is? Yeah, so I simply, I would say it's using funds to either generate an income or make a profit. You can do it in a variety of different ways. It could be investments in mutual funds, stocks, bonds, those kinds of things. could be real estate, could be, yeah, other kinds of, of things as well. Really, that, that would be the short answer. There. Can I, and I, I'm going to put a little plug, and I assume because the benefit of a financial advisor is you've said numerous times, what is your risk tolerance? And it's an individual thing. So going on to Facebook or whatever social media and saying buy Bitcoin or whatever is probably better to talk to somebody knowledgeable about that instead of just going with the latest trend. I'm guessing. Yeah, I would. <laughs> I would agree with you there. Yeah. It, we're, when we talk about those kinds of things, we're at the, we're at the top of the pyramid, right? On, on that kind of thing, which is not really I'm dealing with mostly people at the bottom two levels of that. I, I kind of stick to my areas of expertise from that standpoint. And, and if people want to want to do that stuff, I can just remind them of, of, of those kinds of things, but people will still, they like to do what, what they're want to do and yeah that's kind of i'll probably leave it at that <laughs> i'm just going to interrupt quickly for one quick definition you said in the last little bit you talked about investing you talked about savings are they different or do people sometimes use the word savings when they mean investing or investing when they mean savings yeah for sure i had made a note of that yeah we would probably encourage people to do that simultaneously, depending on their situation, obviously. But yeah, you can save money into a savings account, which is somewhat investing, but right right now you're making quite a minimal amount on that in a savings account. But yeah, investing would be a, a range of trying to make a profit or trying to generate an income off of that that amount that you're that you're saving, I would say. I've kind of seen it as savings is often low risk or low to no growth with low to no risk and investment is potentially higher risk with higher reward. And those, I think a lot of people need to understand that when you're talking about those is savings, maybe for a rainy day, if something were to happen, but investing is there's short-term investments. You can obviously do that. There's long-term investments. You can obviously do that. So I think those are two main things that I think a lot of people sometimes they throw words out there and they think that they mean something, but they're often referring to the opposite, right? Yeah, I think the way that you put it was good. So we've talked a lot about short-term and long-term goals. And a lot of people say that we live in that drive-through society today, um, meaning that they want things quick. Everything, Everyone wants that instant satisfaction of getting something like super fast. So do you find that similar when people think about investing and saving? Yeah, I think there is some of that. I think it, it probably is some of it is generational too, like depending on what the age of the people that you're dealing with as well. The different investing strategies have changed over time and you have people have been doing it one way for they did something one way 30 years ago and people now are maybe want more of those quick results. Generally speaking, I think most people don't have an understanding that it's going to take time and that they don't always like that. They're most people ask, or some people ask if or you got any get rich quick schemes, but yeah, it's really, it's managing those expectations with people and showing them what incremental gains can do over the long term as well. And that 
that really, I think, is part of how we manage that in our culture. So start as young as you can. Yep. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> for sure. So speaking of starting young, setting yourself up for the future, do you think that can take off a lot of stress from people in their current position? Yeah, definitely. I think that applies to everything. When there, things are planned and you have a guide of what you're going to be working off of, it helps reduce stress and you, you get further along the way too, right? Whether you're a teacher or a business owner, the planning and yeah, looking ahead, forecast, all those things are helpful and they're helpful for guideposts along the way. But I do, I also think they, they really help you reduce stress, reduce anxiety that you have if you, you have something that you're working off of. And so yeah, that would be what I'd say to that. And then also, I guess the understanding that not everything's always going to go to plan either, right? That we, different things are going to come up in life, whether it's family thing, health problem, death in the family, poor market conditions, all those things can impact and have, have severe impacts on the plan as well. So part of the managing that is also putting some of those kinds of things in place to help them alleviate that risk as much as you can. And I think that's also part of that planning element. I think forming habits at a young age and a young position will allow you to adjust those easier in the future. So starting from scratch at the age of 40 is going to be a lot more difficult than making slight increments as you get between 20 and 40. Yeah, absolutely. You, you give yourself a little bit more of a runway there for sure. Brad, one of the probably least sexy topics, or at least I think so, is life insurance. And my husband and I would joke, we would say, why bother buying life insurance? We're not here to enjoy it. That's just a joke. <laughs> but can you share with us your thoughts on life insurance? And I think about this because I'm getting older and I was having coffee with a friend today and her husband has cancer and she talked about his demise sooner rather than later. You know, and I started thinking about this question a little bit. She doesn't work outside the home. So can you talk to us a little bit about life insurance and how we can incorporate that if that's important and should we incorporate it into our financial plan yeah absolutely one of one of the first this is pertaining to just insurance as well as critical illness insurance but my when i first got started in the industry yeah i had mentioned that my my mother-in-law had cancer and i saw the impact of that right away and fortunately she she had applied for a critical illness policy about a year before she was diagnosed. And then I thought why it was important that she had one when they, they were traveling downtown to Princess Margaret for treatment for months, parking ticket or parking, paying for park, have a hotel stays down there, not to mention lost, lost income from business as well. So that was a pretty big introduction to it for me. And then she, she did end up passing away a couple of years ago now. So yeah, that my, my family's seen that that direct impact of what it can do. It's not a nice thing, I think, for people to think about. And um, we don't like to think about what what could happen. But I think to the alternative is thinking about is what happens if you don't have it. We really try to look at it as if something were to happen to you today, what would you want in place tomorrow? That would be what kinds of things would you want taken care of tomorrow? And I think life insurance um, answers uh, helps answer some of those questions or helps put the put things in place for that. There's a variety of different tools and stuff and different ways that it can be used as well, even for legacy giving to your to charities, to share the cases there. It can be a really useful tool for that. There's also different things for business owners and 
those kinds of things as well, different strategies that it can be used there as well. Can I ask probably another least sexy topic is the importance of wills. What are your thoughts with regards to wills? Yeah, I would say that's at the, that would be at the, your base level there as well. Foundation level, just an important thing to, to put in place early. And then if you need to make changes to it down the road, you can make changes to it down the road, but we certainly recommend people that to be one of the first things that people do in, when looking at their entire financial picture. So if someone is looking for a financial advisor, what are some of the key questions that they should be asking? Like, what should they look out for? Yeah, I think there's a number of different directions I could go with that. I think the obvious answers would be probably just understanding where, what somebody's licensed in, are they, are they able to do insurance investments? What kind of planning work do they do? Are they licensed? What kind of investments are they licensed to do? And then also understanding how the advisor is compensated. Is it a fee for service type of situation or is it, is the advisor compensated through commissions of in, invested assets or on, on sale? Um, those would be probably good questions to ask as well. These are hot button top these days. I think it's important to be aware of what fees you're paying. I think the industry's kind of improved in the transparency of that probably over the last five years. But I, at the same time, I don't think that's strictly what you should be paying attention to. If you're getting if you're getting really good value from an advisor or a plan and they're doing a good job and you're getting that value add from that, I think you're more than happy to to pay that kind of those kinds of fees. So, and it, I think the fees just become less relevant, right? If you're getting a good degree of service from that standpoint. And then also what are, what their planning or recommendation process is? Um, do they do a fact find? How do they determine what they're going to help you invest in? Are you going to get updates? How often are you going to have calls with the person? Those, those kinds of things I think are important. And then finally, I would say, find somebody that you like and trust really if, yeah, you're going to be, yeah, sharing such a significant portion of your life with somebody you want to, you want somebody that you can trust and yeah, that you enjoy working with over, over the long term. So. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. I think when it, it boils down, trust is such a huge factor. So that's definitely important. Yeah. Yeah. Brad, when we met with our financial advisor at a new one, and I didn't know what to ask because it's not my jam. I don't know anything about money. What are, you know, it would have been nice to have spoke to you a while ago so that I would have had an understanding of things that the financial advisor would have asked me. What are some questions people should be prepared to answer when meeting with a financial advisor? Yeah, Jackie, I think you had touched on it earlier. I think one of the things that is really helpful is just to have an idea of what your goals and objectives are. They may be retirement-based. They may be, could be focused on your kids, could be legacy-based. If it's traveling, it's those kinds of different things, home ownership. Yeah, those are, would be some things I think to, if you can have an idea of that, it gives you, it gives the advisor a good starting point on where they can, it helps build the big picture there. Then you have a, you have something that you're working towards, and then it's a, just a matter of figuring out, okay, how do we get here? I think, yeah, having an idea of your budget, investment, insurance statements, those kinds of things are good things, obviously, that the planner advisor is going to need. Yeah, just so that they have a, the more complete picture that you can give them of your financial situation is just going to result in better recommendation, more, more all-encompassing recommendations. 
Yeah. And in hindsight, I think that's really good advice that I wish that I had known because I had a a vague idea when I would retire and like I had all these vague kind of ideas, but he's like, have to stop with the vagueness and come up with more of a concrete plan. Like, when do you want to retire? And I'm like, oh man, he's like, when is the earliest that you can see yourself retiring? And if you work beyond that, then that's great. So they, he made me think about things in more of concrete terms. So yeah, plan your life. But what are your goals? I think that that's probably the best thing that I got out of meeting with my guy. Yeah. And it, it could change. And it often does. What we had planned and hoped for five years ago is not necessarily what we hope and plan for now. Uh, 100%. People's situations change. And yeah, so it's, it's that's part of it. And then because you go, it's about monitoring it and changing it if need be along the way. Awesome. Brett, I really want to thank you for coming on. I think it was an opportunity for people to learn a good base of what financial, where their comfort level is, or it's going to probe some questions for people of what should they do next or how to think of things differently. So I really appreciate that. I know our listeners probably do as well. If they do have any questions, they want to reach out to you. Is there a way for them to do that? Are you comfortable with that? Yeah, I love meeting new people and connecting. Yeah, if you'd like to chat more, you can, our website www.danfinancialgroup.com. My contact information's there. If you'd like to reach out, yeah, love love to chat. So appreciate you having me on. And yeah, important topics for sure. Awesome. And again, for our listeners, I just want to state again, if you do want to discover more about your financial position, your financial health, we really advise you to get in touch with a financial advisor, a financial professional, and they can give you more information. So until next time, we'll talk food. We'll talk fitness. And we'll do it together. 